Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Who Cares About the Rock Hall, a podcast about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I'm your host, Joe Quazala. With me, as always, Kristen Studdard. Continuing the streak of always being here, it is me, Kristen Studdard. Perfect attendance so far. Yes, thank you. Uh, Very excited to have our guest with us here today. Uh, She is a music writer. You might even refer to her as the indie professor. People do. Publications like The Guardian have. Uh, she's written about indie music, has a book called Empire of Dirt. She's also a professor uh, of anthropology, so you could go take a damn class if you wanted to. Yeah, this she's got, and she has a PhD in indie music. Yeah. You're like, that's a wild, that's just a wild thing. Let's bring her in, uh, Wendy Fonero. Hello, thank you. Wendy, thank Hi, you Wendy. for being a part of this. So, yes, I do have a PhD in indie music, audience behavior at concerts and the music industry. Wow. Yeah, that's how I fell into writing about music and and basically writing for The Guardian. So it's audience behavior at concerts like um, likelihood of moshing, uh, yes. who's in the front, who's in the back. Yes. Amount of consumption of alcohol. Not uh, so much chanting well, along, bringing signs. I'm a just yeah. You're just spitballing. Yeah. What what could people do what at could a concert? Well, it would be so. One of the things that I noticed that particularly when I when I started, I realized I needed to choose a genre of music because when you go to different styles of music, you have different types uh-huh. of audience behavior. So, uh, starting to look at indie music initially. Um, American alternative but then I did my research in the UK and that was the indie scene and I noticed that there were patterns of behavior so you had people who behaved differently in different zones of the audience oh really yes so you get way more drinking in zone two Mm -hmm. people are not interested or in zone Zone three three, way in the back Mm -hmm. yeah and the people in the front are usually the youngest and most motivated and committed yeah know all the words singing it to the people yes and that's where you would also get well initially when i started there were mosh pits mosh pits uh languished pretty quickly when i started doing my research and the really nice thing is 
I realized that my research really spans the period of crowd surfing. When, oh, so when, when, what are, what, what years were your research? Define as the yeah. crowd surfing era. So in, I, I went to the UK in, I ni- love it. See how casually saying she went to the UK. It's Whereas cool you make a, thing you to make do. A meal out it's of just it. a cool thing to do. Everybody <laughs> knows it's cool. Anytime Kristen <laughs> brings up that she travels abroad, it, she really milks it, it, it for, just, it's a hit. People this alleged cosmopolitan it. lifestyle that I she am. leads. It's very, it's very just, transparent. Anyway, you can when, tell. You can anyway, hear it Wendy, in my voice. <laughs> That's why well, we connect. Yeah. Anthropologists do field work, and they tend to go in much more exotic destinations than um, England. But yeah. I had this idea that to be truly uh, comprehensive and comparative, you should look at all societies. And therefore, I wanted to go to the backyard of where anthropology began and look at the very interesting activities that you find in Britain. So um, I ended up in London in 93 and I kept doing research and my book came out in 2006, which meant I stopped writing in 2005. And what's amazing about that is that it's really this moment of revolution where mobile phones are being used at shows. Oh, And as soon as you start getting pervasive use of mobile phones at shows, Crowd surfing stops. Yeah. Moshing becomes That's almost so true. Yeah, because I people protect even, their phones. Yeah. And so there's also an element I would imagine it becomes a more individual experience than a group experience because you are on your phone, you're capturing something for to share with yourself, your friends for yourself. As opposed to then uh, interacting with other people. It kind of uh-huh. stops that a little bit. It's sort of later that it's about sort of Sharing, sharing it with your friends. Yeah. Um, I ended up writing when my when my book came out. Instead of just talking about what was in my book, I'm one of these people who always wants to push farther and look at what's next. Um, I started discussing really the history of mobile phones entree into uh, shows, and so initially so they like weren't camera. People were p- protecting their phones. They just didn't want them to get smashed in the pit. Yeah, or they didn't want to fall out if you're being crowd surfed or on. Because suddenly yeah. you have an expensive thing in your pocket. Yeah, and it's also at that point. It's in 2006 is where you've got the development of the phone to the degree that people are using. Using it to film and actually mm-hmm. the one column that I wrote I think that I got the most hate on was saying the positive things about using uh. mobile phones at shows yeah, yeah. but I don't want to hear that <laughs> now ironically I think filming a show is seen as more positive than when I wrote that piece because at least you're paying attention mm-hmm. as opposed to when you film something and then instantly are trying to broadcast it out. So I talked about the earliest days when phones were, when people would really use the phone and just sort of lift it in the air and try and have their, they would call a friend and it would be a way of sort of bringing someone outside the venue into the venue. You would just lift up your phone. Yeah. You'd put it at the, they're playing the song you like. Mm -hmm. You couldn't make it. Listen to the worst possible Terrible quality of it. Well, it's also like cameras back then were also so. Which is funny. You weren't allowed to bring cameras to shows. Well, I mean the camera on your phone, oh, like yeah, the early camera. I, I remember taking, I was at a U2 concert and taking pictures, this was 2005, and taking pictures on my phone and the worst pictures yeah, you could Yeah, they're just imagine. bright lights. You're you, just taking pictures of, of, of 
shadowy shapes and, and shapes. Yeah. What were the big bands that were, what, what bands were big during this time? Like what were the shows you were going to, to study the audience? I'm trying to think. Cause I remember one night I was in Glasgow and I'm, I've been there. <laughs> of course. But I'm trying to remember what band was playing because one of the things that I was starting to do is that I was looking at when people were filming. And so when the band came out on stage, so so if I had a memory like yours, because I can't believe that you know that it was 2005. Right. That yeah. you, oh, of that's, course. That's like probably in some well, weird list he has in his head of shows that he's been to. It's the same thing of like, I can remember years uh, the same way I can remember statistics about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yep. My brain is broken and there's no hope. Yeah, I mean, I remember that I didn't have a ticket to the show, so it was one of the few times in the UK where I bought from a scalper because in the UK, that's a really, like, mafia type of thing, so I've <laughs> always stayed away from that. Like, you if you don't stand out in front of a show and say, do you want to buy a ticket? That It's you're, not a fish show. You're not holding up your one finger in the air looking for a friendly face with an yeah. extra, you know what I mean? No. Yeah, that's not going to happen. So I remember one of these people because I was not um, trying to interact with other audience members to buy a ticket that he did then sell me a ticket and then the thing that I noticed was that when the when the band came out lots and lots of cameras and then they were down and the the big the most striking thing was when they played their hit so I should remember who it is I don't know if it was is it Franz Ferdinand if it was Franz Ferdinand, I would have been on the list. So yeah, but, okay. so <laughs> I'm trying to remember of who I I lived in Scotland in this time. Yeah, so uh, I'm which, I'm wondering if it was Travis or um, I just I can't quite remember who it is, but I know that when they played their big hit, that all the cameras went up and the bodies stopped moving, and I was. That was the moment I went, wow. And the things have the really... The bodies yeah. did not hit the floor. The feet hit the, the feet, floor. And the feet yeah. stopped moving. The feet stopped yeah. moving. So it was the inverse of what you found previously. Now, while I say that, this summer in Eastern Europe, Franz Ferdinand did a show where um, I saw that there was a mosh pit going. So Ooh, that was really? pretty exciting. I mean, I mean, I just think about... I remember the first time I ever crowd surfed was at a Violent Femmes concert. Okay. Yes. Uh, thank, thank you. you. Um, in high school. And I had bought a shirt and I had it wrapped around my waist. Very cool. A very and cool And it look. fell off while I was crowd surfing and I couldn't find it. I don't think I've ever seen someone... Cra- I, I don't think I've seen someone crowd surf since the 90s. Like this, this was probably like 95, 96 when this happened. And I, I mean, have you ever crowd surfed, Joe? I have not crowd surfed, but I've, I've seen band members crowd surf. Oh, band members, but not other people. Not in other the people crowd. jumping up on stage and then getting well, in. No, yeah, or right. you would no. just find a dude near you that, and get on his and then shoulders. Lift them up. Yeah. And then, then you would just kind of like <laughs> just move off. But it's, it's, when I see it, it's usually more of like, oh, a kind of a quirky thing that the lead singer is doing. Yes. You know. Yeah. Just thinking about how much our phones have changed, how we are at concerts really is like a fascinating. I bet there's like a part two to this kind of yes. I bet your research. The research mm-hmm. continues, Wendy. 
Well, yeah, that's the one that I should write next. Yeah. But instead, I'm thinking about Halloween and Thanksgiving. Oh, yeah. Hey, and Day everybody, of the her uh, master's, master's degree is in, is in Halloween. So she's a cool lady. <laughs> uh, get a clue, everybody. Uh, the thing I was thinking immediately have you guys seen the footage of Shaq at EDM concerts? No. No, Wait, what? Oh, my God. It's great. Uh, uh, so, so Shaq has been like going to EDM concerts. And I think EDM concerts are maybe currently where you will see the most movement with the audience in the crowd yeah. you know because uh, people are on drugs and they're mm-hmm. not really interested they're not thinking about their phone, yeah, they're not, their phone. Yeah. the yeah. word dance is in the title there yeah. so dancing is a large part of it and yeah. that's one of the reasons why you're going to still find movement but the movement is distributed differently at, in not just EDM but various dance music genres mm-hmm. you didn't find like a tightly packed area and then sort of um, more space as you moved out you found movement throughout the venue and that was actually it was going to the same venue two nights one night a dance night and one night an indie night and I was like oh okay I have to pick a genre I can't just say oh you can't just say music you can't just say concerts how it is wait so what's Shaq doing at these EDM yeah. shows I mean he's he's uh, kind of jamming along with everybody in the crowd but he's fucking seven feet tall yeah, so I'm it's like, insane he cannot looking. be in the front <laughs> yeah. but also that's the other thing about EDM <gasps> shows though is you're not really looking at anything either you know, you're what is this like unless you're like really into whatever helmet they're wearing. But like, you know what right, I'm there, saying? Right, there's no It's uh, not like you're playing. watching an instrument being played. You're watching a DJ throw their hands in the air kind mm-hmm. of and like they're playing songs for you to move to and kind of interact with them. Wow, is EDM cool? Okay, before, before, before. <laughs> Wait, there, there is orientation <laughs> often towards speaker stacks. So the closer oh. to that there is something to that but even at the at EDM or where DJs are not everyone's looking forward but or body orientation still tends to be tends towards to be forward the, i would imagine the DJ. and sometimes they'll have like spectacle they'll they'll put on a big so laser light like, visual yeah. a visual um this has been a fun road to go down but yes. i think we need to talk about the rock oh, yeah. and roll you're hall right. of fame you're right probably about a little that. bit i think that's um, correct wendy as someone who has covered music for a long time i've got to imagine the rock and roll hall of fame is something that maybe if hasn't been a focus is on the periphery it's on the periphery of a lot of people and i'm just curious what your experience is with the kind of the concept uh and you know the inductions etc so i used the word nihilistic before yes my answer is that i really like that your opening was do you care and the answer is i don't care at all mm-hmm. my man <laughs> yes and um and to one of my friends i i said i care so little and and he texted back why and i said it's because i have no soul but okay, yeah <laughs> but what i meant by that is that i i i have a sense from having done my research that i have this deep sense of cultural relativism mm-hmm. and what i know about the rock and roll hall of fame ironically comes primarily from two sources one is listening to howard stern talk about it mm-hmm. and his commentaries on it yeah so that is really fun because he also tends to be critical despite the fact he inducted Bon Jovi, bon Jovi yeah. which so I know all about that because I listened to him 
complain in preparation. Yes. And recently there was a complaint because he was given a ballot to vote this year and he was complaining about some of his staff members having ballots and thinking that they shouldn't vote. So Mm -hmm. it brings up the issue of who who votes. Like Robin or Baba Booey. Baba Booey. I don't know much about Howard Stern. And hit Uh, him with the Hine. John Hine. John Hine. So but it's all men at the at Robin doesn't get a ballot. I'm just like trying to I just want I think more so, women from to what we know. <laughs> yeah, from the public. Wait, why does Baba Bowie get a ballot? He's a big music fan. Okay. You know? I, I mean, so am I. But like, you're not on the most uh, popular <laughs> radio show of but all time. This is this was exactly. Yeah. You're making the same points that Howard Stern was. You and know, he was like, usually who am I am. to I vote am. on this? In in his mind, only musicians should be voting on the Rock and Roll yeah. Hall of Fame or experts. Right. Yeah. Does they, that it, mean that Letterman gets a ballot too? Um, he might like anyone because who's he done showed an up a lot of times if you if you've shown up and participated like I know Lord has a ballot and that's probably because she participated in the Nirvana uh, induction. OK, um, but she's also a musician. True. But like that, there has to be mm-hmm. some other obviously thing to for them make you qualified. Yeah. Uh, but like you don't have a ballot, for example. No, I don't. But and, and I would, I would say you're qualified. Yeah, you could have a ballot. Well, I, I, it's interesting. Take the other a Bowie's ballot. <laughs> no, <laughs> he's, use, my new he's using his ballot. I would love to take Howard's ballot. Oh, mm-hmm. Howard's um, not voting. No, he <gasps> refuses. No, but honestly, it's <laughs> big duty. <laughs> actually, as I say that, I don't want his ballot. I would want to give it to someone who cared. I don't um, care. I mean, I just want to. I'm just going. You just want to affect change. Me, yes. So and so, I know from him, and then one of my very good friends, uh, Lindsay Parker, who writes for Yahoo Music and okay. also um, has a show, Volume West, for Sirius XM. She has a, a mind for music similar to the type of detail that you have. Yeah. And last year... She is yeah, also she, broken. Oh, I'm like, is she single? <laughs> Joe, I'm just saying, two, two uh, broken minds coming together. But she's talked about like the hall before. List. Yes, and this last year she went because The Cure were being inducted. And... <laughs> Uh, John Taylor was going to be inducted. Yeah, Yeah. he inducted Roxy Music. Yeah, so um, I was getting some live commentary and then someone emailed me a a message that sort of assumed that I didn't know anything about The Cure or that Trent Reznor was in Nine Inch Nails. and A a woman with a book called Empire of Dirt. Yes, exactly. So her responses are so brilliant that I almost wanted to just take them and send them to this guy, oh but I, I decided to just not engage. Um, I figured if, if, if I've told you that I got a PhD in indie music and you think you need to tell me that, yeah. that <laughs> we are not having yeah. wonderful communication. Yeah, that's, that's a disconnect, mm-hmm. I, yeah. I feel, in my opinion. Uh, did you watch the induction ceremony or parts of it, bits of it? No, I had, again, wait, I had oh, wait, no interest. Where was your interest. friend seated, do you know? Did she have good seats? Well, I know that she had, she was able to send me a photo of the sticker that was on um, uh, Robert Smith's guitar. Okay, oh, wow. so, so she had good seats. I wonder, did she have a press pass? Yes. Then that, then oh, that would have been Oh, there we it. go. Yeah. Yes, she was explaining that um, one of the the 
drummer on one of the albums. Uh, I think it w- was the album where they started, I think, with Shake Dog Shake. Oh, um, right, Andy oh, Anderson. Yeah, Andy no, Anderson knows all about so this. So that, yeah. that there was a sticker for that. Because he had just passed, yes, like a few exactly. months before. Yeah. So this was part of her of her rant that this person said that I should l- look it up on YouTube to listen to this. And, uh, and that mm. was really... That was really a moment. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. isn't the show like nine hours long? <laughs> yeah, it is five hours it's five. long. It's and literally it five hours long. it feels that way. But, but people you... played more music this year. I liked the bands this year for the most part. Mm-hmm. And they didn't talk as much, which was good. <laughs> good God. I mean, just I, no, I even watching mean. the edited down speeches at some of these ceremonies, I truly am astonished that... They're allowed to continue speaking. Yeah, I know. It's like you, you, what you do is you let them all speak, hoping that one of them will say something interesting. But then you waste roughly 45 minutes for you know two minutes. So they can cut it down to five minutes yeah. on television. Well, honestly, I think that's reasonable. One of the reasons I would never want to go is because if this is your moment in the sun, really, do you want to be, you know, have that music play you off yeah. the stage? With the idea that it's for a television show. So in right. my mind, talk as much as you want, bore the audience as much as you want, and then make a good television show oh, out of it. Oh, but they don't they, watch. They, they do. don't. They make the... They, the TV show is still too long. Yeah, I mean, it's. I think the TV show is meant to be uh, experienced however you want it. It can be a very a la carte experience. Like you can, you go find the band you want. Maybe watch a little bit of this if you don't want to see this person. That I mean, I'm the only one sitting down, going. <laughs> nope, Here we go for a three hour too. experience. Now me too. Even well, though I was I there you, live for five hours, and then I get to rewatch it again then, for three. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Uh, I know it's you know. I this is my own. I this is a hell of my choice. You know, I've done it. I locked myself in this cell. <laughs> uh, Wendy, let's talk about the, the group you wanted to, to talk about. Joy Division, New Order. Yeah. Not currently inducted, but I'm curious why, uh, why them? Well, in my mind, that just proves why I don't care about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And I'd, I'd like to start with Joy Division, like, Mm-hmm. one of the most influential bands. The the number of reasons of why they are important is enormous. I Another new book just came out about Joy Division by John Savage, um, a really great British uh, journalist, not the Australian John Savage. I guess a lot of, I guess that's a great name for music oh. journalists. But one of the things is, is that that band is so influential and as well, it really represents a sea change in terms of an aesthetic. And it's interesting because last night I went to um, a memoir reading of Rob Zabrecki, who used to be in this band, Possum Dixon, and now is um, a magician. But one of you the know, <laughs> just a classic switch. Everybody, it's like when you're just when you're done rocking, you've got to turn to magic. It's well, a natural. Some people become yeah. record producers, and other people become magicians. magicians. What was the yeah. name of the band again? Possum Dixon, which I and heard they of. were part okay. of the Silver Lake scene. So when that scene that emerged back. They were the heart and center who, who of that. Who else was in the Silver Lake scene? Oh, I can't remember. Because <laughs> you want to know where I was? 
I was in the the UK. UK People get a clue. (laughs) Come on, everybody's talking about it. You can tell. (laughs) Also, Possum Dixon is the kind of name that we were talking about in our last episode where it's like, man, if they had made it big, everyone would be like, oh, you're going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my dad's really into Possum Dixon, like blah, 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 blah. But as a band that did not get big, it is a ridiculous name. There's a threshold. There's like a tipping point where if you become famous enough, it doesn't matter how crazy your name is. You're just like, yeah, Death Cab for Cutie. No problem. Yeah. Yeah. But Possum Dixon, that would be, that's one of those. So he was talking about when he was like 12, 13, and his older brother came to him and said, he had like, I think, Foreigner and Sticks and Journey and said, Mm -hmm. this is the future of rock. That's so funny. And he (laughs) went. That's hysterical. No. Mm Mm-hmm. He he was at that point going to L.A. punk shows. And in his mind, this was the opposite of what rock should be. And it makes me think of the title of uh, Simon Reynolds' book, Rip It Up and Start Again. Mm-hmm. So in my mind, the the fact that all of these bands, these post-punk bands, the, the bands that are really meaningful for the post-baby boomer generation has really been just totally ignored by the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. That one, it makes me go, okay, what is rock and roll? It has nothing to do with this interesting intellectual deconstructionist sort of art vein of music and it doesn't really speak to a culture outside of american culture yeah that and that part specifically we're start i thought roxy music's in, induction yeah this it year bodes well was it's uh, like surprising the, it's in a very the tributary yeah in in a good way showing that if a group is not monumental in america that they can still make it and like what you're saying about post-punk has been fully ignored up until again this year with The Cure. Well, it's yes. like and it's like yeah, it's that, like po- that's when the finally broke It's through. like post-punk is like the bridge to new wave, right? Would yeah. would you say yeah, like, absolutely. I, like 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 post post-punk goth? Yeah. Then and actually like at the same time as post-punk you did have things like the New Romantics. So but those were bands that actually were big. The 83 crop had bands that really made it big in America, like Duran Duran and Culture Club uh-huh. and things like that. But some of the less popular bands and the underground bands and the bands that became super influential or ones that were part of the landscape of of music, because it wasn't like Britain was ignored before that. The, Obviously, but the, yeah. Yes. <laughs> We've had an but, invasion or two. Yeah. But... They were the they were the boomer bands. They were the the bands that are um, that generation of the '60s. And then I think that in the period where they've been trying to do inclusiveness, that they've been going back in time mm-hmm. and choosing people who are overlooked. So actually, I was wondering, is Donna Summer in the? Yes. So she is. yeah. So that would be like a like okay, we're going to include other genres of music. Let's get some disco in there. Mm-hmm. So instead, they it keeps looking backward as opposed to these bands well, that led are, yeah, forward. They're going to dredge. They're going to dredge. They've the sixties. They're they're squeezing it dry right now. And then they're now the seventies. They're like, ooh, ooh, ooh. Let's go to the second and third tier. What, what else have we got before they will really get mm-hmm. to the eighties? I feel like there's there's a weird narrative often in music writing and music history uh, 
that people have talked about before. Like, uh, I, there's a book that Michael Azarad wrote uh, called Our Band Could Be Your Life, and he touches on this, which I, yes. I think is really interesting, which is sometimes you'll be watching, like, a documentary on music, and they'll be talking about CBGBs and Talking Heads and the Sex Pistols and the Ramones, and the next thing they talk about is Nirvana. And you're like, yes. well, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Slow down. Wait, wait, what? What's going, what, there's this whole thing that for whatever reason isn't as sexy and isn't, uh, narratively doesn't have an arc the way that you want to construct when you're making a history of music. And I would say, and I think you might like this, that that it tends to be a really masculine arc. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that took me away from wanting to do research in the United States was that at the time that uh, alternative music was developing here, it was college rock. And it was very, very masculine. So bands like um Husker Du, um House of Freaks, um and like Sub Pop. Sub Pop still has a masculine vibe. It was a world where women could be there, but they sort of had to play by aggressive sounds. And mm -hmm. I really liked that sort of sweeter legacy that would come from something like the Beatles or the Beach Boys. Um so if you combine like that sort of sweet pop with this idea of of post-punk, of rebellion, yeah. that really ends up being the heart and soul of what indie was. And I mean, I'm going to use was because right now, whatever that scene is, it doesn't really There's exist in a, the same I mean, way. Indie mm -hmm. is so different right now. But when I think about indie music, I think about like the big explosion of two thousand of like the early 2000s of like the strokes, the hives, like that whole time. And I think of that as like, or like Interpol, like Death Cab for Cute, like all of those bands. And I think about that as an incredibly masculine time. I think of that as like a time when we didn't have any female fronted bands that were breaking through in this incredibly popular like garage rock explosion happening and we have no female fronted bands we have no like you get like the donnas who are kind of a novelty act in a way to, to people right the only know. like the yeah yeah yeahs is, yeah uh was also part of that scene but also i mean didn't really hit at the same time even though they were contemporaries yeah it took a little longer for people to kind of wake up to that that time period, I, I would actually put it to 1999, and there's something really that remarkable that happens at that point, and it really is the shift that happens because of the internet. The UK had always led in terms of an independent scene mm -hmm. because they had a weekly press rather than a monthly press. Uh, we had national magazines like uh, Rolling Stone and Spin, mm -hmm. and that doesn't have the same news cycle as a weekly press. So they were constantly giving oxygen, and it had this incredibly vital scene. And women were very much a part of that scene. I mean, I think of some of my my favorite bands, Curve, Slow Dive, Elastica. Elastica, mm -hmm. Elastica another band. They I'm broke like, through. Yeah. Please, please, they should be in a Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I feel like Elastica in America is considered like a one-hit wonder. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Connection. Yeah. Yeah, which was used in a beard commercial at the Super Bowl. And I Bowl. think it was used in like every movie in or every movie trailer. And it was in the, was in the Captain Marvel trailer. Yeah. yeah. 
I love I mean it's a great I like Elastica I love that song I love that Mm -hmm. style of singing I mean like taking Riot Girl to its uh, kind of dancier conclusion Mm -hmm. is very much like Le Tigre is why I I, like I love bands that are like that but I guess I think of I, I guess there just has never been a big wave of music that hasn't been masculine in its in the u.s in the u.s but in the uk it was so co-ed when i'm thinking even like about like the post-punk bands that had that they had a lot of female-fronted post-punk bands in the late 70s early 80s in the uk yeah like the way yeah banshees like you had like all the ring coats yeah yeah like all that like in the uh late 70s but there was that never really happened over here yeah yeah, it is uh, America's aversion to uh, women. Women. <laughs> Overall, across uh, not just music, but yeah. Um, one of the other, one of the things that's difficult about determining if a band is worthy for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame ultimately is that uh, music is subjective, right? How can you yes. determine one group or another? It seems like a fool's errand. So me being a fool, uh, I have put together a list of criteria that I think if you do well with these categories, you have a good case for induction. Uh, and so we're going to take a little break. And when we come back, we're going to see how Joy Division New Order stacks up. Hell yeah. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody. We hope you had a nice break. We hope over your break... You learned the true meaning of Halloween. (laughs) Whatever that means to you, whether it's reading up on Wikipedia, whether it's looking within yourself to determine... Whether it's finding out why ghosts uh, are notoriously white-sheeted. And guess what? It's not racist, and I'm so glad. Wow. Uh, So let's talk about uh, Joy Division slash New Order... Uh, and I think maybe one of the first things just to kind of talk about is I did kind of force Wendy to talk about New Order as well, because I feel very strongly <laughs> that, that the two should be inducted at the same time. So this to me is really interesting because that would be like, what about a band like Primal Scream with Bobby Gillespie? Would it be Bobby Bobby Gillespie, Primal Scream and Jesus and Mary Chain? I mean, there are so many bands where you had member overlaps mm-hmm. To me, they seem very, they're discreet. So it's, yeah. I think that they are both worthy, mm-hmm. but I think of them as independently worthy because I see their legacies as being separate. Um, New Order's legacy is so strongly in the world of electronica and uh, the bands that you were mentioning from the American indie scene, which I was yeah. going to say the push for that was the popularization of Pitchfork, which then that is true. That made it so that instead of a weekly news cycle, you had a daily news cycle and it brought all of this oxygen to the scene. And you mentioned Interpol and what band is Interpol most influenced by? I mean, it's Joy Division. Joy Division mm-hmm. yeah. Doesn't sound like New Order at all. So, no. Although, uh, I will say that you can kind of, I think you can tell where Joy Division was headed uh, at that last album. And I do think it is in a New Order direction. Like, I think the song Ceremony by New Order sounds to me like a and it was partially written by ian curtis anyway here are my here are my major bullet points for why i think they need to be inducted together one is that there's precedent for this kind of thing within the hall already so that's what i wanted to know what is the yeah. precedent so for parliament that? and funkadelic uh inducted as one entity 
the faces and small faces oh, yeah. were inducted as one entity. Uh, now, in both those groups, especially like if you look at faces and small faces, the personnel change was much more drastic than uh, from Joy Division to New Order. Obviously, because after Ian Curtis died, then the members of Joy Division formed New Order and brought in Jillian Gilbert. Very little in terms of personnel change, right? It's the same group of people. And same manager. Same, same label. label. Yeah. Tony um, in his same Svengali-ish role. Right. Yeah, Tony Wilson at Factory Records. Yes. Um, so there's that. I also think, let's say you just induct Joy Division. Now New Order is at the bottom of the heap in terms of priority. And mostly what you're doing is you're saying, fuck you to the one woman you could have inducted in this whole group, <laughs> which is not a good look for the hall. Uh, and I also New Order plays Joy Division songs at the end of their concerts now. Oh. I, I, ju- I mean, when you just look at the, the members, it, to me, it is no different than Peter Gabriel Genesis to Phil Collins Genesis. It is not really, I mean, when you think of... So how did they do that? They just inducted they just, Genesis. Everybody, everybody Because luckily gets for in. them... It, There's enough room in the hall for everybody. It's not a physical institution. <laughs> you can induct them all. So Who it's, cares? So sometimes it's like semantic, right? Like, they, yeah. like Joy Division chose to change their name because they had made an agreement that if one of them left the group for whatever reason, they would change the they name. They should have named it Joy United. <laughs> Good God. Um... <laughs> Or there's just so many groups that are already in the hall who kept their name after personnel changes, whether it's Van Halen or ACDC or whatever, that I think the transition from Joy Division New Order is not as drastic. I mean, even things like the Moody Blues, like they they be, they stayed the same band, but they had two different like genre, like time. And we like talked about Deep Purple or Deep too. Purple. It's like the Hush Deep Purple versus the, the Smoke, smoke on the Water, on the deep, water purple. deep Purple is different. So eventually, because I don't care about <laughs> yeah, the, but here's She's the like, thing: put them in. Who cares? Yeah. So at the end of the day, my position would always be. Not so much about caring who's in, but really more wanting more people in. Yes, yeah. that's so, the other thing. Is you're mm-hmm. knocking off uh, two technically snubs with one, which yeah. is what you want to do. One of the major problems with the hall is that there is this backlog of worthy inductees, and why would you want to take a, a future slot away from someone because you d- decided to chop up Joy Division and New Order? You know, well, why don't then- they just do a year of reparations and go country by country and then just put in like 150 bands to deal we with would, each of them? We would country. still be at that induction ceremony right yeah. now. <laughs> that would roughly take, uh, and this is a conservative estimate, uh, yeah. 527 well, hours. Well, and also, it, the, the, I can't believe I am about to say, say this, It's, but... It's just because I like have this knowledge now, and I really can't believe that that these words. But there is not a lack of representation of British bands in the hall. There, yeah. they just don't care as much. Like you know, last year's class was extremely extremely British. British. Radiohead, Roxy Music, Def Leppard, the, the Zombies, cure, the Cure, and the Zombies. Yeah. So five of the seven inductees and every band last year. Yes, correct. There's only two solo artists, two American women solo artists were inducted and, and then five, five British, British bands. bands. Yeah. Uh, so Joy Division slash New Order became eligible for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in the 2004 induction ceremony. Um, and the first category is critical acclaim. Now, I don't know that I can think of a band, especially Joy Division, that 
made critics lose their minds more than them. I mean, this is, if you talk about a critical darling, like, it was like a wet dream for critics. I mean, there are almost every list that comes out of the UK of most important bands, most influential bands, they would be listed on that. I mean, they have this interesting issue where they had their first album come come out. Um, there was a change in the press at that time where the type of music that they were doing, you, you used to have a press that was covering all sorts of genres of music. It wasn't specialized. The enemy sounds, Melody Maker, they were not focusing on youth music or rock and roll or punk or any of that. And then that happened in the mid-70s. So those papers that were having this critical discourse of saying certain music, you know, has an aesthetic quality of value, um, they were focused on the type of music that Joy Division did. And so you've got um, unknown pleasures, and then you also have this other news story that happens at the same time that the second album is coming out where you've got, you know, the death of the lead singer. Mm -hmm. So that adds a gravitas to everything that the band had done as well, which... um, Losing, I mean, that is often catalyzing for a band's popularity and also for a critical acclaim, too. Oh, absolutely. The kind of martyrdom. The martyrdom, the the death of the the icon. In the UK as well, there's a really big thing about the sort of working class hero. And it's one of the reasons why consistently you'll get bands from Manchester or Liverpool or in areas right around there that end up uniting the country because it's a really working class area. Mm -hmm. So that's something that was, that worked for Arctic monkeys. It's something that worked for Oasis. Another band name that is just a, that is a crime. Arctic monkeys is a fucking crime of a band name (laughs) because they are not a bad band. They have the stupidest band name. It is embarrassing. They should be embarrassed. Oh no. I love them. And they're, those, Do you love their name, though? Wait, I have no problem with their name because actually at the same time, Domino had another band called Test Icicles. I'd rather test so icicles. the comparison okay, alone I, I was mean, enough to be like, oh, I'm going to no, go with Arctic Monkeys. Arctic Monkeys is a terrible... It's embarrassing. It's an embarrassing name. No one wants merch that says Arctic Monkeys on it. It is an embarrassing ba- okay, it's a bad gonna name. Okay, I'm going to make a case for Please. why it's a good name. Okay, go off. I so, can't wait. All right. So one of the things that you very often find animal names uh-huh. for bands. Yes. And it's really important for a band that you have an animal that lives in groups. Yeah. So wait, what? Okay. Because oh, if you're so, a band, yeah, you can represent like, the, the band with the herd. Yeah. So for example, <laughs> like one of the things that's why you've got lots of wolf bands because wolves are in packs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But coyote tends to be singular artists because coyotes don't roam in okay. packs. Interesting. Um, and so I think you're giving bands a lot of credit in terms of how they think yeah, of good names. This is an anthropologist answer. If I've it, ever it's heard sort one. of why it's <laughs> I, what I would say is no one's thinking that, but it's like those principles are there. It's also why rat is better than squirrel. Oh right. yeah, well also rat is fucking cool and squirrel. It's like is almost lame. the construction Except, of the but, syllable but and the consonants. But here's the thing. 
monkey is not cool. But monkey they is group not cool. animals, and Doesn't then they have matter. to huddle together when Do- it's doesn't cold. Doesn't matter. Monkey is not cool. Monkey is a well, not, not cool name. It's not name. cool. It's cold because it's, it's Arctic, an Arctic baby. Monkey. How dare you? I just sorry for the the Wendy, aside. I will. I will. You mentioned. I remain lists unchanged. Because yeah. Because that's sometimes a way that we can kind of measure the critical response to something. Yeah. Is if uh, these bands wind up on lists, and one of the ones that we go back to a lot is the 500 greatest albums list that Rolling Stone released. Now this is a question for both of you do you think joy division or new order are on the list of the 500 greatest albums here's where Kristen, who did drop a lot of post-punk female fronted band names from the uh late 70s early 80s comes and confesses her limited knowledge of uh the discography of the discography of joy division and new order i mean i know the songs i know many of the songs but Mm -hmm. i'm not i am by no means an expert um here's i'll catch you up yes please so joy division had two Two albums albums before their lead singer died but they also had they also had limited they did these singles as well that would not show up on albums. So that's an important distinction because both bands would release a lot of singles and not put them on albums. So both of the groups had albums called Substance, which were kind of singles collections, greatest hits collections, and were very popular because you could finally have these songs the songs, most of the songs that you know. Which is like kind of what The Cure did too. That's interesting. So I the mean, two the two albums on. from Joy Division are Unknown Pleasures and Closer. Okay. And then of New Orders, again, so they had an album yeah. called Substance, like Joy Division. Uh-huh. Another reason why maybe they should be inducted together. Mm-hmm. Uh, Uh-oh. But, <laughs> how, how, do, you feel, do you feel like he's made his case? I feel like he's done a good job. To me, for, I'm, you for know, me, my the feeling. end of the day, I'm like... Put them all in. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Like, if I don't care... Yes. More people at the party. You and me, Wendy. Exactly. We're I, in this together. I'm sorry. Tell me so who, new, who's new what's orders, on these albums. I would say New Order, uh, there is that Substance album, and then mm-hmm. there's an album called Power, Corruption, and Lives that is kind of uh, and what's on canonized. Uh, Age of Consent is on there. Mm-hmm. But again, most of New Order's singles that you know are not album. Really? Yeah. Like b- what? Like Blue Monday, Blue Monday You one? know the story with the, with um, Blue Monday, which is the 12-inch single. They actually lost um, either two or five pence for every one that they sold. What? It was the packaging. So what, what happened oh, is... Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah. Peter Saville came up with this amazing... It's a floppy disk. So it. this is this, you know, at the time of the computer revolution... Uh-huh does this amazing 12 inch single cover and no one actually checks the cost and he decides to do this um this thing that would actually make it so that there's a hole in the sleeve so the process of removing it to make it look like a floppy Uh disc is why they lost the money i think it cost 5p to do that so that they ended up losing two pence for Every single that they sold and of the largest selling, the largest selling twelve inch of all time of all time, and what? they lost money on it. Oh. So, and um, Bernard one time said that it was so typical for them that they lost money for what wasn't there. Yeah, oh, right. yeah. To to remove the circle, to take the hole out. Okay. You know? So, what do you guys think? Any any representation on this album's list? Rolling Stone? I'm going to say no. You're going to say nothing from either Joy Division or New Order. And I'm going to say in the UK, every list will have. Every enemy. It's top 20 (laughs) slots is that. Now. Kristen, what do you think? All right. Uh, 
I think if there were going to be an album of one of those bands, it would be Joy Division. Okay. And I think if it was going to be one of the two... So, so here's the thing about these albums that they put on the list. You've got... Because you have the two choices, the first being the debut, which everyone likes which, to put the debut on there... Or and you was, have when it like really gelled and the really, really gel and also the kind of like last album by the iconic person. Right. So yeah. we're, we're going to have to talk about the album cover for the first album at some oh point. My God, What's yeah. on it? What is it? So that's so Unknown Pleasures well, is that iconic uh, like kind of radio waves that look like mountains. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like one, one of the that's most. That's the Urban Outfitters. We'll get to that yeah. in the ubiquity yes. of their, mm-hmm. of yes. their branding. We, but we that's have to the talk Urban about Outfitters yes. fucking... Uh, so what do you, make a choice, Kristen. I think that if there is one album, it's going to be the one with the iconic cover, Unknown Pleasures. And okay. I think it, that would be the one that would be on there. And I think we're looking in the early 400s, early to mid 400s, if it's on there. Okay, guys, here's the tea. Oh, my God. Joe, uh, if this is like number 25, I will like flip a table. The second album, Closer, is on the list. <gasps> God damn it. And it's at 157. God damn it. And... Substance, the New Order compilation album. Oh my gosh. Is on here at 363. Rock critics be loving. Wow. Yeah. So How I, about that? When it comes down to, to classic albums, I think this is a, is a group that does very well. Uh, yeah. And then let's transition into talking about iconic, recognizable songs. Yes. When it comes to Joy Division, obviously, Love Will Tear Us Apart. That's the big one that everybody knows. Which one is that on? Is that on an album? It's no, not on an album. It's not on an album. Oh you will God. see that their biggest singles are not on albums. Yeah, that is so crazy. Although with Stranger Things, Atmosphere is Correct. now having this surge. Oh. People are listening to, to that song, Atmosphere. People like you find it easy. Was it in the most recent season? For, no, season the, one. The first season, oh, it yeah. was in the first season. And I don't in it. the first episode, when he's when the older brother is giving the tape to the younger brother, he says it has all the best stuff. It has the Clash. It has Joy Division. It has Television and one other band. I can't I, you remember. Know what? Honestly, the brother knows what's up. <laughs> totally. And, the, and I would say, the, with Joy Division. There's not if you're just kind of casually listening to music, there aren't other songs that you would know. But I would say worth mentioning She's Lost Control. Confusion and arises says it all. She's lost control. And she's clinging to the nearest passerby. She's lost control. Disorder. I've been waiting for a guy. Sensations make me feel the pleasures of a normal man. These sensations bear the answers, leave them for another day. And transmission.
And then, okay, if we're talking New Order, I think the iconic is Blue Monday. Which, by the way, uh, Divine Comedy in their sing- single or um, at the indie disco says every night the last song they play is Blue Monday. Mm-hmm. So, and Divine Comedy is a uh, is a, uh, an Irish band. An Irish band. I'm like that is a British band. I know that that is not an <laughs> so, American band. Right. Yeah. Obviously. <laughs> I was um, feeling it. But then I would, Temptation. Yes, Temptation is a great one. And I would throw Bizarre Love Triangle Obviously. probably yes. up there in the top tier. song for so long it's such a great song and also shouts to the frente cover every time i see you falling i get down on my knees and pray i'm waiting for that final moment you say the words that i can't say i have to admit the first time i heard blue monday was it was covered by that band orgy Then I would also uh, Age of Consent uh, is a huge recognizable song. I'd say True Faith also. Yes. Then I would I would put ceremony up there too. Uh, so a lot of songs from from this group that I think, and I think the problem though with. Uh, this group is you hear the song title and you're like I don't know that what is it and then yeah. you hear it and you're like oh okay yeah, yeah. they yeah. don't really say Blue Monday do they yeah no they don't really say Bizarre Love bizarre, yeah also an embarrassing thing about me is I often conflate New Order and Erasure well that's wow. weird yeah that's an that's embarrassing something you thing gotta about figure me out I know on your own. well there is something to that which what I would say is there there were very different audiences for New Order in the United States and in the UK. In the UK, they were really seen as a very masculine, logger lout type of band. And then they came to the US and their audiences were female and also gay. Yeah. So you had 
they were a dance band exactly. in the U.S. and in the U.K. they were they tough were a as pub nail. band. Yeah, mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah, interesting. Next category is commercial success, um, especially with the New Order equation. You know, tens of millions of records sold. Uh, they were they really kind of commercially blew up, especially in America with the New Order stuff. Really quick. Yeah. So Ian Curtis um, commits suicide, mm-hmm. and then they add a woman to the band? So, I mean, the Ian Curtis commits suicide the day before they're supposed to go on their American tour. Whoa, he really did not want to come here. No, there, it was very complicated. Yeah, What's there up? was a, a, a looming divorce. He had epilepsy, which was getting worse, and he was depressed. Like, there's a, there's a lot going on oh. uh, with poor, poor Ian Curtis. Okay, that was a bad joke. And he and actually I take it was back. from Macclesfield, which is actually about 15, 20 minutes outside of Manchester. And there is a landmark for him there that he's got a, one of those blue plaques. So Yeah. Next category is longevity. Now, uh, Joy Division, it was like, you know, just a few years. But then once you tack on New Order... You're taking it into so the first uh, unknown pleasures was around 1979, and then I would say New Order was still kind of doing important, crucial work into the 90s, like maybe until like 93. Is or New so. Order still touring? Is that what you were saying? They, they were are. At, yeah, they were the Hollywood Bowl not long ago. Really? In the 2000s, um, there was a split where um, Peter Hook and um, Bernard and Stephen and Jillian parted ways. And they had a similar idea that if you weren't, if it wasn't the same thing, you, you were... To rename it. Yeah. But this is one of those insane things with Manchester where lightning should not, um, should not strike twice. So there was a little bit of time where some of the original... Um, New Order members did a band called Bad Lieutenant, mm-hmm. and uh, Peter Hook was doing his own thing, but then uh, they decided to bring back Jillian, and at that point, they are touring as New Order. So what you've got now is Peter Hook in the light, who is the bass player, and part of the one of the things that makes Joy Division and New Order so distinct is that the melody line is played on the bass rather than the guitar. And it makes it so one of these situations where not having the bass player is like not Which having a not singer. Usually, you lose part of the sound, like yeah. usually uh, the bass, dare I, I, I won't say that the bass is replaced, you know, just replace Replaceable, the bass. but in a lot of but, groups, yeah, if, but, you, if you replace yeah. the bass player, it doesn't really change much to the sound. But one of the crucial things to, like you said, uh, both these groups is that the bass is played very, it was a function of the fact that Peter Hook couldn't hear himself when That's he was true. playing live. So he was like playing as high as he could on the bass so that he could hear it. Uh, and then it became this distinctive sound that not only is their distinctive sound, but I think really influenced a lot of post-punk because the bass is present in a lot of post-punk bands. Yes, yes. And it becomes the idea that that's playing the melody line is really atypical. So in terms of, I'm, this is probably another category, mm-hmm. the degree of influence on other artists, this, is, well, this, this is would perfect. be huge. This is the next category we can, we can yeah. seamlessly, uh, but we should note, so New Order still does 
just without Peter, but Hook, without Peter, Hook. yeah, and, and Peter and Peter Hook is also playing, but he's doing this really remarkable thing, which is he started at the beginning of his catalog, and he is playing every song he has ever written as a tour. Oh, I was like in his basement. <laughs> no, <laughs> so there's like there, so there'll be at the show there'll be a Joy Division like album and like the hits and then there'll be a new order album and the hits i wonder when they broke up and around i think around 93 mm-hmm. when i think the, the revenge and monaco um bernard did a uh, record with johnny marr from the smiths uh-huh. and that i i think they were they were were they Monaco? They were Revenge. And then um, uh, Peter Hook did an, an album called Monaco. So I'm not sure how that'll fit in the sequence. But it is this comprehensive playing live of songs. Which that, wait, he, So he plays every song he's ever written so, all at once? No. So each, no, one, <laughs> one, one, one New wait. Order album, one Joy Division album, and then the hits. It's very interesting to me that he's allowed to do this. So you have two bands essentially touring with the same music. Um, yes. In a sense, yeah. But the the New Order does what I like to think of as the hits hurt, which is really a compliment. It's they're just playing the hits and they'll add mm-hmm. one or two new songs of whatever their last album. But the the actual show itself does not transform that much. So it's. It's a bit like when you see the Mike Love Beach Boys, where you're going to hear all the songs you love. You're going to mm-hmm. love it. And the other one is a much more of almost like a giant, I think of it like craft work, art project of I am going to play these songs, some of them that were never, ever played live. Mm-hmm. Because they were just like on the album. They were and on the album. As we all know, so the albums were not where they would put all their popular songs. Nope. They were like, you know what? We're going to hide some other songs out on these albums. So yes. Yeah, so they're each doing really remarkable and interesting things just different and I have to say I've gone to far more Peter Hook and the light shows ah. than of the New Order alright yeah, the next category is innovation influence we've, we've touched on it uh, as, as we often do at this point because sometimes it's hard not to yeah. but so uh, we, this might be the time to talk about the Pulsar shirt because yes. yeah the the ubiquitousness of that shirt and it's I think that there should be a scholarly paper just about the phenomenon of that waveform. I sense and another degree. <laughs> Someone else needs to write it. But I mean, there's a Mickey Mouse head with the pulsar design mm-hmm. on it. You've got a tie that's got, instead of the exact replication they've got cats on yeah, it yeah no that's a threadless mm-hmm. design um, shout out my old workplace yeah absolutely the iconography uh of both groups and you we're, we're really talking about peter saville is the designer the artist who created all of their uh, album covers yeah so is there another iconic album cover that i would know just by you describing it or talking about that's it? the one i yeah. mean closer has like it's an image of it's almost statuary like statue yeah where th- there's like a coffin you might yeah. recognize it if you saw it. Okay. Um, and then Power Corruption and Lies has like this, it's like flowers. flowers. Um, uh, but I saw a Joy Division t-shirt yesterday. I mean, yeah. like, it's just, it's one of those things that you, yeah. you can't escape. That is the, that is a very, it has got the Urban Outfitters seal of approval. Yeah. It will never die. 
it is up there. It's just so iconic. One of the things that I wonder is, do you, do you know the band? Do you know the connection? And it's really, so as an anthropologist... <laughs> yeah. it, Name it's five a, of their albums. No, it's, I, no I mean <laughs> it as I know, I know a delicate mean. question. Of because um, often I think that when people ask, do you know the band? It's meant to ridicule them. Mm-hmm. Almost like when Jimmy Kimmel makes up band names at Coachella and it's done to make fun of the individual. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I'm really interested in... The, that idea is, has it moved so far away from its original source that it exists out in the world mm-hmm. as as a type of uh, visual legacy that isn't even necessarily associated with the music. Yeah, it's like a cultural totem. It's more like, I guess, like my like a countercultural totem, if you will. It's something that just says, you're wearing that shirt, you're saying, I am counterculture. It's not necessarily, I'm underground. I'm underground. I don't have to know this band to know what it means when I wear this shirt or when I see someone in that shirt. I think that's really brilliant. I love that. Well, thank you. She's got a PhD, everybody. You heard (laughs) it. I know. I I love that. And I mean, I think that's a really wonderful explanation. And I've talked to a number of people and no one has been quite so articulate in, in talking about that transformation. Wow, so, Wendy's giving Kristen a diploma right now. She just had it great. in her back pocket. Yeah, honestly. And you know what? We're flying back to the UK where people truly understand <laughs> us. All right. So our last category is does my mom know who they are? Which this speaks to kind of cultural saturation, right? Has it made its way to my mom in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania? And the answer is no, unfortunately. <sighs> she did not. It did not register with her the name. Now, some of the New Order songs, I would be, wouldn't be shocked if she heard them and went, oh, I hear this. I, I know this song, but I didn't know that it was the group. But just from name alone, it did not register. I didn't ask my mom. My phone is somewhere else. But I think that my mom does know who New Order is. Okay. Because my mom is very into... She listens to XRT in Chicago, and that is a very new alt, wavy, alt yeah. radio kind of band that she would know And I mean... Are. Like, for example, New Order was in all those John Hughes films. The fact that that New Order and Joy Division are absolute fabric of character development in Stranger Things, particularly like that is a character is in part based on this is the music he listens to. Yes, he he doesn't fit in to the U.S. He's an oddball in so many ways. It isn't even just an oddball in that town, but an oddball in that world. And that music represents that. And so I would be sort of bummed if your mother knew who it was. I would want your... The grandchildren should know. It's a point of pride. True counterculture. To, yeah. yeah. For it not to have reached my mom, in a yeah. sense. Sorry, mom. Uh, all right. <laughs> we right. Let's do our verdict. Should they be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Will they and when? We'll start with Kristen. All right. Listen up. I think they should. And I think they should do it Joe Quazala style at the same time, at the same damn time. (laughs) And uh, I think they will get in. Um, I think that the the inclusion of Roxy Music, I think of the uh, 2019 British invasion of the Corridor of Fame, has uh, really uh, uh, bodes well for them. Uh, have they ever been on the ballot? They've never been on a ballot. Hmm. I, you know, but I don't know. I, I, I think we're going to be scraping those 70s for a while before we hit true post-punk uh, new wave. Like, they're not so popular. They're not the cure that, that I see them getting in sooner. 
I think it's going to be about seven years. I think okay. we're looking between five to ten years. Fair. That's my thoughts. Thank you, Kristen. Wendy, what do you think? I think should we know? Well, should absolutely. Yeah. I think that it it to me it's nonsense. There's unless, no hall until they're in it. For, yes, exactly. For in my mind, there is no hall until they're in it. Um, when I would take a sort of weirdly more personal bent, I would love it if there if the breach was somehow mended. Which, by the way, that's that is a bit like hoping for the oh. Smiths to get back together. That's a bit like hoping that that the Gallagher brothers would stop fighting. The fact that I even had that as a desire would probably be. Um, verboten for yeah. the majority of those participants but um the idea that doing something like that and not being together is a little bit heartbreaking to me so uh, so maybe the hall can mend all wounds we've seen we, we've it did seen it, it with happen a, quite a bit um, with a lot of groups i mean it's sometimes that is the thing that will bring a group together yeah then that should happen but often in the not next three British years groups. you're gonna say the next three no you're, it's not really a guess that was more like projecting not? desire i like it as a guess wait now remind me are dire mm-hmm. straits british they're yeah, british they right are. yeah okay mm-hmm. great i did it and they yes. do yeah um, they're they're remembered a thing you but can tell they're, they're British, British because they didn't really show up because they didn't really show up but then also like I do think that sometimes it's harder to get those British bands because they don't care as much to mm-hmm. uh, reunite to right for, yeah, for us I don't think I, I, I'm, I'm gonna just say one more thing one Please. of the big problems is is that because of who's in there to me it always says this does not represent you. Mm-hmm. And I think that the, one of those reasons those British bands don't care is because the entire legacy of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame does not look like their world. It does not look like the rip it up and start again. It looks like the baby boomer world. And it isn't necessarily a world that you want to join. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a little bit like, not do cool. I want to be, yeah, do I want to be knighted by the queen and and. Robert Smith said no to that, so I'm sort of excited that he, he was willing no to, to be show. United? I didn't. Is no, that... I don't think it was an offer, but he's. It, someone he's asked like, him, someone uh, like, would you? And he's like, fuck no. Yes. Yeah. That well, was... yeah. You know what, what's interesting is like the Cure nearly didn't show up to the induction, uh, but you could tell when they were there and they, they played. They were so happy. They loved it. It was great. And it like really meant something to them. And it was kind of beautiful, especially to see a moody goth group be kind of watch them have their minds changed in front of you. Yeah. So maybe The Cure will make it so we can have more goth bands this like is Bauhaus. Why we can have nice and, mm-hmm. Yeah. I maybe think, we can have nice things now. Finally. <laughs> I think with The Cure, especially through, it is we, are, we get to knock down the next dominoes of post-punk. And I think if you're doing it in order, uh, a new order, uh, (laughs) Joy Division and New Order should have come first. Yes. So they would make sense as the next one, although since they haven't been on a ballot, Depeche Mode's been on a ballot, the Smiths have been on a ballot, it seems like they are probably going to be next in line. But I think after Depeche Mode and the Smiths, I think Joy Division New Order is going to be up. I could even see them on the ballot this year. It's going to happen very soon. And I'm going to say about five years is when I think it's going to happen when they're going to get in because I think they should and I think they will. Now, let's say they get inducted. Uh, there's no question as to the band members because there haven't really been lineup changes. It's uh, Ian Curtis, it's Peter Hook, Bernard Sumner, and Stephen Morris. And then if you're including New Order, then you get Jillian Gilbert in there. What songs do they play, though, 
at the Well, they're also the new members who play with New Order. I don't think you include them. What if them. they Reeves Gabrellet? I think that would be wild, I think. <laughs> uh, I Yeah, I, I think that that's the classic lineup. That's what you do. Now, let's talk about what they play, though. So they usually play four songs. I think Love Will Tear Us Apart is an obvious choice. Mm-hmm. Um, Blue Monday. As is Blue Monday. And then what, what do we think the other two slots? What would make for a good, or we can make it personal, what would you like to see, Wendy? Well, I want Bizarre Love bizarre Triangle. Love I think so, too. Yeah. I want Bizarre Love Triangle to be like... <laughs> to 12 I, minutes long? Yes. <laughs> I oh want them to make God. back all the money that they lost on those. And I do like Ceremony as a choice, because to me it feels like it connects Joy Division and New Order really well. Yeah, ceremony and then i also uh, also it would be performing the, at the ceremony which might be a little too on the nose but you know <laughs> well, for me i think it's i think it works and um, i'm not gonna say the name of the song correctly but it's like elegy or elegia it's oh, yes. the I instrumental it's song but that one is so powerful and no one is singing there's something mm-hmm. about that would be i i would really love that play together do you think that that, that it could happen that Peter is, Hook there, would strap is on there the base? some is there some bad blood i mean is, there's a lawsuit in there oh no yeah. oh we don't like it no, that so that makes it really tough once it gets to lawsuit territory yeah but i could i could see it happening i i would put it at 50 50 okay that Peter Hook would. this is also the guy who thought that maybe just maybe radiohead would come for david byrne you know so i like to be positive <laughs> i like to be optimistic what can i say if, I wish the family was getting along. Me too. Yeah, wouldn't that be nice? I don't like it when mom and dad fight. Yeah, especially the, given what they've been through. Yeah. You would think they could rise above. Yeah, but the thing is, it, it really is unfair of the kids to want the parents to be back together. Because... Honestly, what you're talking about is a divorce and saying, why can't yeah, you do just it for stay, me? Just yeah. stay together for me. Right. Just stay married for the kids. I want really to go to the same high school. <laughs> yeah, because you don't know, don't what, you don't know what nonsense the, the parents have had to go through uh, with each other. Yes. This very uh, analogy was drawn for us by Darren Hayes of uh, Savage that's Garden. Right. <laughs> he was like, he's like, yeah, it's like a divorce. I don't want to. I'm never going to get back with this person. Yeah. Uh, and it's unfair to ask, but. But it's, come on. <laughs> yeah, but come on. Uh, when, let me it's ask like you that. Here's, here's a big question, Wendy. If they get inducted, Ooh. will you go to the induction ceremony? Oh, yeah, I would. <gasps> Fuck yeah. Hell yeah, because then the hall exists to her. If suddenly it's real. Suddenly it's it would, real. Yeah, it would be real if they were there. Who inducts them? So, yeah, let's talk about that. Uh, who would induct? Who I mean, should induct them? I would say there's... Is I mean, there anybody in the hall who's like a... What do you oh think? Oh, my God. There are so many options because look at the people who have actually played with both New Order and Peter Hook. Moby could do it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Billy He's, Corgan could do it. Right. Um, uh, Mark Lanigan, although I don't think that the Hall of who Fame cares the, about him. Name recognition, I don't think <laughs> who is there. Who is Mark okay. Lanigan? A singer. 
A He's singer, like, a guy, yeah. just a straight singer. Uh, I think Bono could do it. I mean, um, he inducts a lot of people. Wait, and he loves really? Joy Division. Wait, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay. Bono loves, and you can hear in some of the early YouTube. Trent Reznor could do it again. He's mm-hmm. covered yeah. them, um, but I, I'm interested in some of the artists who've actually gotten out on stage with them, and that's been like a really momentous moment. Oh. I, I would be interested in uh, in Moby or. Billy Corgan doing it. That- Someone bald. Yeah. That's Just oh, God. Bald. Just somebody I bald has to do it. You need a cue ball. Uh, a left field choice would be Quincy Jones, who worked with New Order. Wait, and what? Has, has a deep respect or, for them. Um, Arthur Baker. Who's that? He's a producer. So he was really instrumental in the dance sound of New Order. Mm-hmm. So um, if Joe doesn't know him, it's yeah, if not he happening. Usually, Joe doesn't know. Yeah, Joe, Joe, is a, Joe is a low threshold for because he knows a lot of people. So yeah, if, he, if you can't jump yeah, that, you saw that's going to be going a no. like, oh, wait. <laughs> yeah, uh, I just want to make sure I, I knew who that was. But usually when it's uh, they want a star to interact yeah. the person. Uh, Quincy there's a lot of Jones options. Jones worked with them on what? Um, I think I don't know if it was an album or singles, but it was like uh, towards the. Did he talk about them at all in his wild interview? <laughs> you know, they didn't come up. I okay. think when the when the subject is Frank Sinatra, <laughs> yeah, Marlon Brando, Richard about... Pryor, there's not a ton of overlap. <laughs> they weren't in any sort of. Well, orgy? if that if if it's that's an interesting uh, hall of hall of fame question. Would Quincy Jones talk about you? Yeah. That would make it a much more exclusive league. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. If you've made it to the Quincy level. If you've made it to the Quincy level, honey, you're uh, you're you're in. Well, it's exciting to know that you will be joining us at the induction ceremony when they get inducted. Yes. Uh, and you'll finally care and we'll take a picture of your smiling face. Uh, it'll be beautiful. <laughs> uh, that sounded like a threat. Yeah, it is. It 100% is a threat. Wendy, thank you so I'm much. I'm going to take a picture of your smiling uh, face. <laughs> Thank you for doing this. Thank you so much for being a part of this show. We really appreciate it. Uh, what a great episode. Um, anything you'd like to plug, uh, if you want to plug your book yeah, you again book. or whatever. Um, Where can I, we find you online if you do that? So, um, well, actually, yeah, my, my book on indie music, which I recommend, don't read the introduction, because actually Peter Hook gave me the best piece of advice that I did not follow, which was bury that introduction. Um <laughs> But it's wow. called Empire of Dirt, The Aesthetics and Rituals of British Indie Music. Don't read the introduction. Just start with the chapter called okay. What is Indie? What that's, is it? Oh, that's so cool. That, yeah, that would be my plug. I yes. love it. Uh, and uh, do you do social media, anything like that? Uh, yeah, I'm Indie Goddess, spelled incorrectly. 1D, right. 1D. Um, and I do stuff on Halloween, Day of the Dead, yes. Guy Fox Day, yes, and yes. Thanksgiving. So if you want to know about that stuff, you can slide into my DMs. You better believe I'm going to follow. <laughs> but only about scholarly only issues interested in scholarly dms people yeah. she may spell goddess with one d but she wants some someone scholarly wants no stole it. someone stole my, the, the name before i got there right. she just had 69 at the end that's well, always what you got to do uh you can follow us on twitter and instagram at rock hall pod rock hall pod at gmail.com is the email if you want Kristen to see it you're gonna have to say that somewhere yep. subscribe to us on apple Podcasts. rate and review us five stars only if you're leaving a review because of this episode, you are going to have to say Possum Dixon. Possum Dixon, obviously. Somewhere in the <laughs> review. Thank you to Mike Lloyd for the logo. You see Kim for the music. Thank you to Joey Devine for the equipment. Thank you to Chad Briggs and Dave Schilling for letting us record in the apartment I share with them. And thank you to Pantheon Podcast for hosting us. Thank you again, Wendy. I'm Joe Gazala. I'm Kristen Stutter. And who cares? About the Rock Hall. 
Hey there, this is Tyrell Lisson, the host of The Band of History, a new show that takes a deep dive into the legendary roots rock group, The Band. Perhaps one of the most overlooked groups in music history went from being a backing band to the legends like Ronnie Hawkins and Bob Dylan to creating some of the most influential music of the 1960s and 70s. The band is responsible for the back-to-basics approach to rock in the late 60s, foregoing psychedelia and acid pop of the day, and influencing artists like the Beatles, the Rolling Stones, and Eric Clapton to bring it back to the roots. This new podcast is here to peel back the curtain on the mysterious group that took the music world by storm, not with press, fancy magazine covers, or massive tours, but with their music. Come and check it out. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 